Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Hope you're having a good weekend so far. I'm with you until seven this Saturday morning. After six, I'm in conversation. But first, it's the best of Steve Allen. My weekly roundup of some of the best bits from my early breakfast shows, starting with this. Victoria Beckham. Furious, they say. Furious. Somebody's obviously leaked yet another boring story about the Beckhams. And this is because Dave went out to Glastonbury and he's having a few milkshakes and he gets a bit tiddly. And uh, and he bumps into this woman called Lady Mary. She's a model and and they've got friendly. Because I should imagine anybody who's like half of Dave's age, Dave is 12, by the way, and Victoria says that this, this woman is leading him astray. Probably with with a ring through his nose, I should imagine, because he, he's a bit he's, he's not the brightest penny in the box. So he's probably found somebody of his own age mentally that he can actually chat to. Because and she's fun. She's like, "Woo, I'm Lady Mary. Come on, let's just get out there and party, party, party." Whereas Victoria's going, "Dave, come home," and he's going, "Ah, sod off. I'm enjoying myself at Glastonbury. Another milkshake, two milkshakes. Come on, two milkshakes all round. Stick some whiskey in it. I don't care. Anyway, I'll rip my shirt off. Woo." David, come home. Yeah, go away, you wizened old bag. Nobody's interested in you, you stick insect with a pair of ping pong balls. You know, we want to get out there and enjoy ourselves. And so consequently, Dave's having the time of his life. I mean, you could have given him a yo-yo with lights in it. I've got a thing with lights in it. Did I, t- did I tell you? I've got, um, I've got a spinner, a fidget spinner with, with lights in it. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. And I've got one which I thought was going to have lights in it, and it didn't. Wait a minute. I have to bring my own toys into this studio. Nobody else gives me toys in here. Werther's Originals. Drugs. I've got so many insulin pens in me at the moment. Look, this is so so exciting. Look. And then you you turn it on. Turn it on. And it's got... Turn on and... Turn on. It's so exciting. This is like the... Coloured lights. You could keep David Beckham amused for days with this. I pr- look, Dave, look. Pretty lights. Pretty lights flashing. Ooh, scary. Pretty, isn't it? And then you just t- turn them off again. Only a few few quid each. Because I'm not going to spend money on that kind of stuff. <laughs> anyway, so... Bro- Brooklyn's... Oh, Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn. I knew there was something I had, to be, I had to remind you of. Brooklyn Beckham's in the papers today. Why? Not because he's held hands with a girly. Um, or anything like that. He's had another tattoo done. Brooklyn Beckham is three. And uh, it's a case of, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, while they've not had Harper tattooed, I've got no idea. They might as well get round. Everybody else is going to be tattooed. Picture of Cruz and, who's the other one? Romeo. And uh, we kind of don't, don't talk about them. So they're obviously not sort of up with the big boys kind of thing, you know, like Dave and his milkshakes and Lady Mary and stuff like that. And Victoria getting really cross. But of course, and when Victoria gets cross, she drinks. And you've seen the pictures of Victoria staggering outside of restaurants. Must be hilarious in their family. They should do a reality show on the Beckham, shouldn't they? But it, w- it will involve her saying, David, don't, don't say that. Don't say that. Be like Anne, Anne Widdicombe. Mother, don't talk to him. That's what she was like. And then, and then he said, oh, can I have a look in your bedroom? No, you can't. You know why? You know why? Because you'd open up the side drawer of the, of the bedside cabinet. You know what you'd find. Teddy bears. Teddy bears and pussycats. That's what Anne Whittakin was into. And so that's why she didn't want it. And also, she's probably got a pretty, a pretty bed. But uh, teddy bear, everybody has teddy bears, don't they? Even I've got a teddy bear in the car. Steve Allen on LBC. 
Yesterday, I got. I was watching a television programme, and it was one of those info commercials. You know when you sit there and they spend 20 minutes trying to flog something to you? Nine out of ten times, I don't touch it. Now, you know that I have an illness. The illness means that I buy vacuum cleaners. I can't help it. I'm strangely drawn to vacuum cleaners. At the moment, I have six. OK, now, <laughs> to be honest with you, you know, I don't need six vacuum cleaners. I tell a lie, seven. So I'm watching this advert on the television, and it's for a vax. Now, years ago, I did have a vax. But this is an upright, and it can detach itself and become a, and become a sort of a, a little handheld thing. I do have a handheld one, which I use in a sitting room just for sort of picking up dead skin. And so that fills up on a fairly regular basis. So I'm watching this advert for this vax sort of thing on a, on a long... And I'm thinking... And they say normally 200 and... Because that's what they... you know to, to convince me to buy something, they say normally it's priced at 200 and something. And now it's £154. So I go to the website. I find the website and it says you get £50 worth of tools. And I thought, well, I'm a sucker for a bargain. I, wa- I want the tools. So, so I bought... And then it said you can make, make it... You, you can go one up. So from £152 or whatever it was, £179 gets you a bigger suction. And to be honest with you, if if you're seriously going, suction is so important. Honestly, if you're going to go and buy a vacuum, it's no good having something that can barely pick it up. You know, you want something, you go like that, and the cat vanishes. You know, that's the kind of thing that you're looking for. So anyway, so I thought, I'll upgrade. I'll upgrade. So £179, we're now still with the free tools worth £50, and st- but also 45 minutes, because it's rechargeable, so no long cables. So I buy it, and I put it on PayPal. And I, got, I, I thought, oh, that's exciting. And I thought, oh, eight bloody hoovers. What am I going to do with these blooming things? I've got them all over the place. So, in fact, I was quite lucky, because I've, st- I've got nine. I've just realised, because I've got a G-Tech, which is still in the box. I haven't even taken it out of the box. And I, I paid about £300 for it. And it's an illness, it's not normal, is it? Most people, you know, sort of collect, I don't know, sweeties or something like that. But, you know, to actually collect vacuum cleaners, it's not normal. So I've got so many of them, but I'm strangely drawn to them. I've got a nice one in the sitting room for picking up dead skin. It's sort of black and chrome. I think it's a black and decker one. I've got a really quiet vacuum cleaner, which is very quiet. Even when you've got it on full, you can barely hear it's, it's sucking up. And, um, and I've, I've, I just like them. I wonder what it is. Well, perhaps I'm just, you know, I don't know. I need to go and see something. But, you know, different people have got different addictions. Some people like gamble or they smoke or they drink. Me, vacuum cleaners. So if everybody says, have you got, oh, I've also got a Henry. Like a Henry. Very nice indeed. And, and I've got an upright, but it's a bit noisy as an upright as well. I don't know why I keep buying them. Not no- How many do I use? Uh, one. Yeah, but that's not the point, is it? The point is, I'm strained... And also, the good news about this one is, it's being delivered today. Being delivered today. So today I shall get it out, plug it in, charge it up. By the by the sea, I'll be all over the place. I'll never use it again. I know. I know what's going to happen. My brother will... Con- I gave my brother a Dyson. Because he said, he said, have you got a, a vacuum cleaner? I said, yeah, I said, it's a Dyson. He went, oh, right. So I've given him the Dyson. At this rate, he's going to get the G-Tech as well. Perhaps I can give it to his, uh, to his girlfriend, Marion. Seriously, I need to go and get help. It's not normal. Uh, Tom Hanks collects old typewriters. He's got loads. He's just written a book about it. I think it's called My Type. Thank you. There you go. Now you know. Uh, Timmy Mallet could never knock you out. You never pause or hesitate. That is true, I don't. And Chris says, I've just sold my vacuum cleaner because it was gathering dust. Mike in Finchley says, have you changed the face on the Henry yet? It's so much... No. 
Now, I don't do that with things. I just, I don't know, you could change the face on there. No, that's Hattie is the female one. I've just got the, the bloke one. There's all sorts of different ones, aren't there, in different colours. There used to be a shop in um, Kingston, and they just, all their windows, window in the singular, were just full of Henry's. Just, I've never seen so many in my entire life. And uh, little Julie says, with all those hoovers you now have, maybe good housekeeping will call on you to give your take on all the models you've got. <laughs> That's true. And Caroline says, nine vacuums. Is that one for every room in the flat? Yeah, well, it's not far off. Not far off. You're making me laugh about all your vacuum cleaners, Steve, and your excitement. And then I suddenly realised that you're not so strange because I've got three myself. I share your likeness. We can't be alone. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It, and it isn't the boxes. It's definitely not, not boxes. It's, it's, the, it's the interior. Apparently a shop near South End had a nativity scene made up of Henry Hoover's a couple of years ago. It's called Sales Appliances in Westcliff-on-Sea. A nativity scene. <laughs> the three wise men, uh, also Mary and Joseph, and the baby is also... Um, a, a little Diddy Henry. How funny. How inspired. How inspired. Well done to them. I think people should do it every year. They should do it every year. Why don't they do it in some of the big London shops, as opposed to the usual stuff we get? I like that idea. Well done, you. Uh, a lot of people talking about this obsession with, with vacuum cleaner. I don't know why it is, actually. I've really got no idea. I, and it, it doesn't go back to uh, an early time. I just get, you know, I get interested in them. I was nearly said I get excited about all these sort of things, but I, I don't get excited. I just just like vacuum cleaners, you know. I think it's quite normal, except when, I, when as I'm telling you, I'm thinking that many of you are probably thinking you're mad as a fruitcake, aren't you? Why would you have so many vacuum cleaners? And the answer is because they make them. That's why. Uh, and um, from from Lynn, who's in Scuzzy Town, Wallington, poor soul, but somebody's got to live there, haven't they? It's actually not too bad. As long as you put your foot down on the accelerator and get through it as quick as possible, you should be OK. But she says, I've got a fetish for woks. She said, I cannot resist buying them. I must have at least 12 woks of various sizes, each one with a personality of their own. What? It's a wok. You do, it can't... I'll tell you what I like. I've, I have got a wok, actually. But it's it's a non-stick what I don't because they're supposed to be seasoned, which means you've got to. So when you see them in Chinese restaurants, they're always black. And ch- well, I don't I don't like that. I want to see them clean. And you can never get the right heat if you're using electric. Never get the right heat. Uh, I despise Henry Hoover. It's a vacuum cleaner. It's not Hoover at all. The smug fellow refuses to stay upright. Hangs. Uh, on to every corner as I try to move room to room and taunts me with his ridiculous grin. Hate him, says Al in Devon. You're just jealous because he's got more friends than you have. That's what it comes down to. I know, I know. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Peter Andre's going to be touring the country. It's a shame it's this one, but there you go, he's doing it. And he's doing an audience with, which is sort of Peter Andre answers question. He's going to be uh, interviewed by, uh, by Willie, Willie Thorne. Uh, is going to be asking the question... Oh, for God's name's going to go and see that. Don't you know everything about Peter Andre? Don't you know everything? That's why there were loads of empty seats at poor old Katie pick up a penguin price. Uh, nobody messes with the price, see? Well, quite clearly they do. Uh, quite a few times, incidentally. That's why she's got so many bloody children. But in fact, on Peter Andre's side, he's going to be going out there answering questions about his life. Like, why are you still here? You know, at how, how low a point was it when you decided you'd get married to Katie Price? 
Uh, did you think that you could make a career off the back of her or the front? And uh, and that's how it worked. And that's end of, end of sh- interval. Go home. You know everything about him. You know that he's got lovely M's. You know he'll take the children to the shows because he exploits them as much as she does. Somebody wrote and complained bitterly, saying, not at all surprised that you've had all these threats against Harvey. From one person, quite clearly, somebody a bit deranged. And we know they do exist. And um, somebody said, they they, they wrote to her and said, well, the reason you get that kind of thing is because you expose your children to all the publicity. You know, I mean, it's her business, but she has said before in the past, it's on record, that, uh, you know, I don't want to expose the children to any... And she's still doing it. Still doing it. So when he goes, it's because they're both fighting for it, because they both think they're right. And uh, as I say, you, you wait till the kids turn later in life and start going a bit off the rails. And somebody will say, what are you doing that for? And they go, well, you want to live in the house I lived in. I had to put up with Peter Andre and M's. You know, they were all loved up for OK magazine. And so she's she's a doctor. And then he will take them to the shows. Of course he does. She took them to her shows. Why shouldn't he take them to his shows? But would I be buying a ticket for Peter Andre? No, I would not. not I know everything. What What is there I don't know about him? I, the, I know everything about him. There is nothing I would be remotely interested in doing. He must really have no work at all. They must be booking in a show at the moment to A, make sure that he's got more dates booked in than her. And because she cancelled one the other day. It was, for, it was for personal reasons, but it's because of this uh, this letter. Now we know. Unfortunately, the Daily Star didn't know that at the time. And if they did, they omitted to print it. Steve Allen on LBC. Do you know who we've forgotten about on the programme? The Brits still tr- stranded because of Monarch. 4,000 Brits are still stuck over that. We've forgotten about them, haven't we? Monarch rescue flights have ended, but there's loads of people who are still stuck abroad. They remain overseas after a two-week rescue mission, which is going to bring holidaymakers home, ended the other day. 700 flights were sent, uh, which is collecting people with return tickets. There are an awful lot of people who don't have return tickets, so they didn't get to come back. Uh, planes were leased at short notice, 16 different carriers. Two-thirds of these people are stuck in Spain and Portugal. KPMG, who's the airline's administrator, said there were around 4,000 people with return bookings which were scheduled to return after the two-week repatriation cut-off period. And uh, taxpayers have been left footing the bill, as most of the travellers were not protected by Atoll. Uh, which covers the, this air travel organisers uh, uh, licence, which covers repatriation flights if a tour operator or airline collapses. So 4,000 people out there going, oh, this is lovely. And the hotel's saying, well, you better pay for it, otherwise we're going to turf you out. Because nobody's going to pay them the, play, the things in administration. And we just, if we forget about them, don't we? You open up the papers, you go, oh, right, let's worry about, you know, other things in the world. Let's forget about 4,000 Brits who are stranded abroad, and especially that list, which they're all compiling now, of the people who've made fake holiday claims. We were really ill. We were in Torremolinos, and we had uh, some food, and it ruined the kids' holidays. The kids now, they, they never went out and played. They were stuck in their beds being sick, and they had all sorts of other things at all. And then you go on their Facebook page, and there's the kids going, yeah, and having the best time of their life. And, uh, and they go, and we're looking for 20,000. Oh, so this was a couple the other week. £20,000 compensation. Lied pair of toe rags that they were. They lied through their teeth. Anyway, they've been caught. I think they've been jailed, actually. We can't have people like that telling lies. Some people probably still think they get away with it. Mainly the whiplash people. 90% of whiplash cases are fraudulent. You know, they go, I got whiplash. 
Or just go and get one of those collars from the doctor and I can, I can wear that. That's always fairly popular, isn't it? Steve Allen on LBC. I love the idea of Britain facing this Catalan-style crisis as Canvey Island is plotting independence from the local borough council. Canvey Island, no less. I don't even know what it's famous for. It's not, it's not an island, is it? I don't think so. Do you cross over to get to it? Canvey, I know it's got caravan sites on it, because I knew somebody who had a caravan on a, a site there, but you could only stay in it. It was a, a temporary caravan site. Temporary caravan site. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll sort of follow that one. I think, I'm looking at it, I'm sort of thinking, oh, yeah, it's, it could be considered an island, couldn't it? I suppose. I don't know. It does look like it, doesn't it? It does look like it. I went there. No, where did I go to? Is Mudshoot Farm on Canvey Island, or is that somewhere completely different? Is that East London, Mudshoot Farm? I don't know. I went, I went there a long time ago. I did a, a thing, but I, I can't remember where it is. Where is it? Oh, it's on the Isle of Dogs. So it's in the, it's in the Docklands. So, yeah. So that's, yeah. But the idea of Canvey Island becoming like, uh, like Catalan, Catalonia, I mean, that's quite hilarious, isn't it, really? If you live on Canvey Island, do tell me, is everybody in favour of this thing? Is it, is it really going to... Do we want Twickenham to become independent? Dear God, of course it's independent. We're, we're so separated from other people, you know. I mean, we are. It is like another place to go to. People like it. You know why? Because it's well serviced by the motorways and everything else. We're, we're sort of, we're, we're sort of, it's, it's cheaper than Richmond. But we've still got the River Thames and we've still got Hampton Court Palace. And you can get out onto the motorway fairly easily. And we've got a Costco and we've got... You know, the one thing we don't have is Chinese takeaways. We seem to be a bit short on the ground on things like that. We used to have a very good Chinese restaurant and it closed because the landlord put the rent up. And it's now a pizza place. How many more blooming pizza places do you need in an area? And charity shops. We are the home of the charity shop. We've got loads of them. Loads of charity shops. They all go there. For what reason? I've got no idea. But it, it kind of sort of pushes other little local businesses out because they can't compete with charity shops where people donate the stock. I mean, really, there should, to be, you know, to be brutally honest, ladies and gentlemen, there should be like a border thing between Hounslow and Staines. There should be, you know, guards on conning towers, manning it and dogs and everything else. And there should be some sort of passport system because you just don't want people wandering in from Hounslow like, you know, they've been there before. We get a few of them on the buses. We can spot them. You can spot them a mile off. But of course, at the moment, they're a bit depleted. Why? Iceland's closed. And... Um, I'm not saying it's only people from Hounslow that use Iceland, because they've got an Iceland in Hounslow. I don't know why they want to come to our one. But anyway, our one's being extended. It's obviously terribly popular, and people, people enjoy it. So it's that, that, that kind of thing, isn't it? People have got, and we've got a Poundland as well, which is very useful for sort of cheaper things like plasters. And uh, what else do they do? Everything. But some of their stuff isn't a pound. Some of their, it's called Poundland, but some of their stuff is much more expensive, much more expensive. And, but they do take the old pounds, I believe, at the moment. you better check on that one, just in case you walk in there with a, an arm full of these things. Um, but they're only doing it for a week, because otherwise... And I've discovered two, so I'm not doing anything with them. I'm just, just ignoring them. It doesn't make any difference. But do check. You know, there is the danger that you will get these things in your, uh, in your change. There might be a few rogue ones floating around, and that's what you don't know. Canby Island, we've just realised, is famous for the gold mine. The gold mine was a, was a nightclub in the 70s and 80s, says Andrew. Yes, it was. It was very famous. Um, God, who was the DJ who used to work there all the time? I can't remember. Uh, but it was, it was very famous, the gold mine. You're quite right. Uh, Steve, I've lived on Canby Island for 30 years. That's the first I've heard about independence. 
the Canvey Island Independence Party got in because they're local people who know the island and can deal with local issues better than a national party. Yes, this is an island when the tide's in, says Declan. Thank you. Uh, Jimmy says, donate your old pound coins to the Poppy Appeal. Yeah, we did that yesterday, actually. Uh, well, we didn't do it yesterday, but uh, I noticed Marks and Spencers and other places as well are doing their own poppies. Now, whether or not, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping money from the sale of them. They're enamelled poppies and everything. I only want to buy from the from the British Legion. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want to buy anything that's, you know, sold in a shop. If it's a British Legion, we always have one here. We'll have a tin downstairs and, uh, and a box of poppies. I only want to buy from the Legion. I'm sure that, you know, money might go, and I've got no idea whether it does, but I'm assuming it would do, from Marks and Spencer selling their poppies. But I'm thinking, no, they're actually doing it because they're making money out of it. And I would link... I would like to think that my money goes direct to the British Legion if I uh, if I purchase from somebody standing on the street. That's what I like to think, because I think they, they are indeed supporting the British Legion. How, does it say how much they're giving to the British Legion? I knew that they would be, because I think they've done it before, but it's how much they give, isn't it? That's what, you know, is it a pound from each one or... All, yeah, all profits. I mean, what does that mean? What does that mean? All profits going. It's like, you know, you try and find out how much money all the supermarkets are giving to charity through the sale of carrier bags. It's it's really like pulling teeth. It's very difficult to find out for them. Sorry, how much did you give last year for, for the sale of carrier bags? They're very loath to tell you. I don't know why. Does it go into their sort of profit thing and then they go, oh, well, we gave, you know, £20,000, but we, you know, shifted £10 million worth of carrier bags. I need to know these things. I, li- I, I, li- I like to know. It's like I've said before, the charity Christmas cards. I don't mind individual charity Christmas cards, but I don't buy any cards. They've got about 30 charities listed at the back because literally they go and 20 pence from this pack of cards goes to all these charities. They end up with like a penny each. They've got to shift loads of it. No, if you want to buy cancer charity cards, you go to the cancer shop. You know, you go online. You'll find all the charities there will do an online service. You know, buy them from there. Don't buy cards from charity shops where they've got lots of... Cha- any more than one charity on the back, and it's a big no-no from me. Don't care how much they give. Steve Allen on LBC. Tits. Very, very good story on great tits and why they've grown longer beaks. Only recently, you know, in the past uh, sort of few years. And it's to crack the bird feeders, because people fill up bird feeders and they put nuts in there. And, uh, and then the birds try and get them out again. Squirrels, of course, are an awful lot cleverer at doing this. Uh, but the great tits have actually grown these longer beaks. That means that they can then... And there's a picture of a great tit. And uh, wh- what a tit this one is. This is a tit and a half. This one is hanging on to the side of the <laughs> side of the feeder. I'm only laughing, actually, because, it, I mean, it's, I've, I've seen tits before, as you can well imagine. But this is the first time I've seen a great... They look exactly the same. The only, the only difference between a tit and a great tit is the size. Great tits are bigger. And a little bit sort of more more round. Anyway, so they've got this this one here, and 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 that's his his beak. They look a bit the same. I don't think, I don't think they used to have big beaks. I think they had little beaks. And what they would do is they would sort of try and crack them. They can't get them out now with the bigger beaks. They can do it. So you know things are looking good because we've lost sparrows. All these birds now we've got rooks and everything else around the place. God, they're destructive. Absolutely dreadful and destructive. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen. Now, for the two of you, listen, it might only be one, but there might be two, I'm guessing, I'm erring on the side of caution, who regularly watch the BBC News Channel, you'll both have seen the presenter, Simon McCoy, getting a little grumpy at some of the stories 
he has to tell. Now, this August, he was very fed up, as you know, having to talk about the World Dog Surfing Championships, which took place in California. Those of you who work in news know well that uh, that's just what happens in August when the politicians go on yet more holidays and the news just stops for the most part. In 2013, he had quite the year. He forgot to pick up his iPad before he walked onto the set. So he held on to a pack of A4 printer paper instead and delivered the bulletin as normal. A couple of months before that, he had to report from outside the West London Hospital where the Duchess of Cambridge gave birth to Prince George and was quite blunt prior to the birth when saying that he and all the other journalists there would continue all their talk and speculation. None of it news. Yesterday, he got a chance to continue his royal cynicism. Just uh, got this. Coming in from Kensington Palace, some news we just got. Their Royal Highnesses, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, are delighted to confirm they are expecting a baby uh, in April. Now, bearing in mind they announced that she was pregnant back in September and it was thought she was around two or three months pregnant. I'm not sure how much news this really is. But anyway, it's April, so clear your diaries, get the time booked off, because that's what I'm doing. And, uh, well, anyway, that news just coming in from Kensington Palace. Simon McCoy, obviously not a fan of the uh, royal family and obviously deciding that uh, the rubbish that they give him to read is not the kind of thing he wants to read out. You can always spot the cynicism, can't you, in his voice. It's a case, well, clear your diaries. I know I will be. And uh, because it's a case, who cares? Woman gives birth to baby. You know, unless you were the one that got her pregnant, why would you care about it? It doesn't make any difference, does it? You know, so she's having a baby. Well, well done you. You know, that's brilliant, isn't it? Very excited. But the paper, the papers are very excited. Why? Because come April, at least they'll have pages and pages and pages to devote to Woman Gives Birth. And that's all it comes down to. OK Magazine will have to rehash something because they don't give interviews. And, uh, and everybody else will be going really excited, going, wow, she's having a baby. And other people will be going, yeah, and what else do they do? They go out, they shake hands, they have a little bit of food and they have a picture taken with somebody. Yesterday it was Paddington Bear. I wonder if Paddington Bear spoke to her and said, so you're pregnant? just to see what, what would happen. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm, I'm kind of with him a little bit. I quite like the cynicism. I'm surprised, actually, that nobody's actually complained to the BBC. But, of course, as nobody watches him, that's probably the first you've heard of it with me telling you. The, the Daily Mail are a little bit upset, but they would be because, they, you know, hunt, shooting and fishing and all the rest of it. But, uh, but no, nobody else sees it. The only people who are watching it are the people working on the shows. And somebody always say, oh, can you do this as a thing? She's confirmed she's having the baby in April. Yeah. See, I'd be more interested to doorstep Prince Harry. When are you getting married? Why are you faffing around? Come on, tell us. She's told us in an interview. Could, are you not allowed to talk about it, dear? Come on, tell us. That's all people want to know. Is he going out with her? She said yes, but I mean, she might be fibbing. Who knows? She's given up her job on suits. But as I don't know anybody who's ever watched the blooming thing. That doesn't make any difference. And then you think to yourself, why has nobody ever asked him? They get to see Harry all over the place. We know he's doing his little charity bit where he goes out and he gets photographed with, you know, children or somebody playing football or something like that. It's great. Why has nobody said to him, so when are you going to announce an engagement? Is it going to be Christmas? Or do you think he just said, I don't want to talk about it? And you think, you know, having sort of told us all off for sort of harassing her and asking about it, she then goes and does an interview with a magazine. So either they're going to get engaged or she's just a little bit of fluff on the side for him and he'll find somebody else. I don't know why nobody's ever asked him. Must be a right bunch of old wussy journalists out there at the moment who can't even ask Harry, you know, a simple question. Are you going to get married to her? You know, you can understand it if he'd found another bloke or something like that. And they go, so uh, you're going out with Brian? You know, then you could understand Harry and Brian. You. That's kind of happening. Not. 
But, you know, it's a girly he's going out with. Yeah, by the law of averages, there must be some gay people within the royal family, mustn't there? There's got to be some. I know I thought of one immediately, the same as the rest of you. But, uh, you know... <laughs> what Prince Philip chooses to do is his business. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> Joke. But, you know, I just don't know why can- nobody can ask him. It's almost as if they're, they're sort of frightened about it. Steve Allen on LBC. My friend Stuart has predicted that the boss of L'Oreal, boss of L'Oreal, has said that there will be male makeup counters within five years. Male makeup counters. Because let's face it, you know, I don't think there's anything the matter now with men. Men use more and more products on their faces. You know, if you work in London or you work in the city or you work down a coal mine or whatever else, you want to moisturise. Fishermen on the North Sea, as we know, use Neutrogena hand cream because we've seen the adverts, see all these big butch fishermen. You got any, got any hand cream there? Yeah. And so they use that, like not. And, uh, and most men I know, perhaps I know different men, uh, use moisturiser. You know, I used to, well, they used to have that advert, take two bottles into the shower. Ha! Huh, three! Three bottles into the shower. You know, you've got the uh, the shower gel, then you've got the uh, the shampoo. I mean, obviously not as much nowadays. And then a conditioner. You know, and then that's what people did. And sometimes you have a leave-in conditioner, sometimes a take-out conditioner. Then you get out, and then you might put some aftershave on. If you've shaved, you don't want your skin to look rough, so you put some moisturiser on. You can get cheapo, cheapo, makes you look fairly butch, not too camp moisturiser, because if you go out there and, and you buy certain moisturisers, you're going to look a bit gay. I'm not saying there's anything the matter with that, but, you know, big butch people, you know, London cab driver, all right, Steve, all right, mate, they're not going to be going out going, have, have, have you got any Estee Lauder for men? You know, they're not going to be doing that. They're going to be going into boots and their wife's going to be buying it for them. Because that's easy. Most men cheat. They go into the bathroom and they pick up their wife's products and they start, oh, this is quite nice. Not sure about the colour there. What do you think on the lips? Mm, nice. You know, and they worry about that. And so we're going to have more male makeup counters. They brought out a thing a few years ago. I've used it. I hold my hands up. I'm, I'm seriously, you know, nobody calls me Susan and gets away with it. It's a case of it was a bronzer. So in case you didn't want to use fake tan. I have used fake tan, but it's the smell of it. And it was a bronzer in a powder. And it was made by Guerlain, I think. But to sell it to men, it came in a butch kind of tub. And the brush with it looked like a shaving brush. And I used it for all the shows that we did, because you don't want to walk on... So under lights, you look pale. You look as though you're very ill, because lights just take colour out of your face. And so I used this this sort of bronzer. And then I discovered one that Estee Lauder did, which was two shades, so you didn't look... You don't want to look too dark, because most people forget to do the, the tide line round, round the base of your chin. All these little handy hints. And, uh, and the other one thing you must never use on your skin, soap. Soap. You must never use soap. Use liquid soap, it's fine, but soap is very drying. And uh, and that's the only advice I can offer you. But makeup counters for men. I'm not sure whether they think that we're going to be using eyeshadow or something like that, uh, or whether it's going to be as as far as Boy George or far as some people, as far as Harvey, Katie Price's son is going. I mean, the next thing is she's going to start tarting him up. She's taking him into a place so he can have his spots removed. Well, you know, when when kids are growing up, they get spots. It's called going through puberty. Everybody got spots. You know, you'd end up with a date. And the day before you were going on the date, a spot would appear. You'd be going, what the dickens is that? Your mum would go, you've got a spot. You're like, no, no. And you'd have to end up squeezing the spot. Which, you know, I don't think women have to put up with things like that. Well, not on every woman. But for men, it was an occupational hazard when you were 13, 14. And for some people, acne became a huge, huge problem. So, you know, hot flannel on the face, squeeze it out. almost like a little steam bath. And then a bit of moisturiser. So I use a moisturiser. 
on my neck. And I've got um, uh, a very heavy face cream moisturiser because I've got very dry skin. And it uh, seems to serve me all right. I haven't got any wrinkles, you know. Well, not that I've noticed anyway. Although, actually, I've got some very bad skin. But I've, I've, I've tried everything. Tried everything. But no, I've got no, no wrinkles. I can't get wrinkles on my forehead at all. And I've not had Botox. And I still think I look younger than most other people. But anyway, another story. Uh, apparently, Steve, a well-known high street chemist, do a big tub of basics moisturiser for about four quid. Lasts about nine months, says Tony, driving from Liverpool to Bromley. He says, you don't do a bad show. Thanks. Very grateful for that. Yeah, I think it's reflected in the figures. That's what I quite like. That's, that's my indicator. I'm not taking the notice of somebody who buys basic moisturiser, I'm afraid. <laughs> Definitely not for me. Uh, Holly says, you're very lucky to have a wrinkle-free forehead. At the moment, I took Joanna Lumley's advice a few years ago, a fringe. She said, it's cheaper than Botox. Yeah, just grow a fringe. She said, you better start growing your hair soon. No chance. No chance. I mean, I, okay, I'm, it, my, my hair goes, goes frizzy. After a while, not noticeably frizzy. Steve Allen on LBC. Who is our girl today? This is Dishy Danny. So we'd like to know who the paid three girls are, because I know it's very important for you. Dishy Danny loves the seaside and is a big fan of telly celebrity shows. Of course she is. She's desperately sad and lonely and is trying to further a career. The 20-year-old blonde beauty from London has even had a stint on Love Island. And that never bloody worked, so we're back where we started. Sadly for fans of the ITV2 uh, ITV show, she wore swimming cozies that fitted a bit better than this one. Because this one, she can pull the front down and show you her boobies. What a class act she is. Well done, Danny. Congratulations on being yet another bimbo who's desperate to make it on a piece of television trash. No, she she doesn't have an opinion on, on Brexit, this one. She doesn't even look as though she's actually got an opinion on anything, unless it's uh, what colour it says on the bottle of the hair dye. That's about it. But as I say, you must get a swimming costume, dear, that fits you better. It would be so much easier, wouldn't it, to find something. And on Love Island, you'd even get to show your boobies there. Oh, how disappointing. But lovely. Lovely Danny. They, they, they just say London. I mean, it could be anywhere, couldn't it, really? She could come from Hammersmith. But uh, here she is. She, she's only 20. She's got to be the oldest 20-year-old I've ever seen. But then I've discovered a lot of these people. They, they seem to age before your eyes. And uh, she, It's the Rooney Party girl. I mean, she's ancient, but she's only 29. She looks about 60. But uh, but Danny here loves the seaside. So that's lovely, isn't it? So uh, perhaps she'll be sort of stacking deck chairs or something. I can't, can't imagine what else she could possibly do. But she's been on Love Island, but obviously didn't make a mark on there. So she's having to resort to getting her boobs out. So good for you, Danny. That's a great career move. Bet your parents must be thrilled. Steve Allen on LBC. Showtime for Scarlet. Apparently, Scarlett Moffat could be on the verge of launching a West End career. She's jetting to Australia to host I'm a Celebrity spin-off, Extra Camp, but she aims to land a role in a major musical when she returns in December. She says... Oh, right, she's not doing it at all. She just said, I'd like to get a part in a West End musical. She said, uh, I play Belle in Beauty and the Beast. I don't think you'll find the show's on, dear. I mean, it's very sweet of you to be a little bit backwards in coming forward. Nobody's interested in you. Also, Belle's, Belle's thin. And, you know, we don't want a hefty hideaway, Belle, do we? That would be ridiculous. And also, you're Geordie. You know, unless you can sing without... You know, you just watch television, dear. You don't have any talent. I don't want to be rude about it, but, you know, your talent is uh, way eight, Geordie, sitting on sofa, watching it and using uh, bad language. 
and that's and that's it. You don't have any talent. Don't 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 miss don't miss the whole thing, love. And I'm trying to be trying to be kind about it. But Beauty and the Beast is not on in the West End, so there's no chance you're being in there. And also, the, the costume only fits people half your size. Okay, just what I'm saying it now. I don't want to make a big deal and push you towards a diet, but it might be helpful because I've noticed the weight started going back on again. And you know, television. It's very unforgiving. Television makes people look fat. Why do I do, why do I not do television? I look even bigger on television. You know, I'm really a bit sylph-like. Steve, if Scarlett Moffat's going to be in Beauty and the Beast, if she ain't playing Belle, surely she's perfect for the other part. That is so cruel. She can't play Mrs Potts. It's she's not old enough to play Mrs Potts, is she? But also, it's, it's the fact she said, oh, Beauty and the Beast, you know, I'd like to play in that. And I thought, it's not in the West End, dear. And also, with, with what talent do you think you have? Just because people ask you for your thoughts and they do a, a sort of a story about you in a newspaper, that doesn't mean to say you've got any talent. All it means is that you're sort of the latest little darling. You just sat on a sofa, dear, with your potty mouth, talking about a television programme. That, that means you don't have any talent. I don't want to break it to you, you know. Do you think she'd sing in a job? I don't know. People tend not to sing in accents, do they? Yeah, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Imagine the Beast going, uh, kind of changed my mind, actually, on this one. I'd rather not. I'm not going to change into somebody attractive. I'm going to stay as the beast and I'm not going to go with you. All right, there you go. And then she goes, oh. It's like there was a piece about Gemma Collins in the Mail Online and they were saying she's been offered this uh, this dinner dates programme, celebrity dinner dates. And you thought, she must be scraping the barrel with that career by now. Dear God in heaven. To go on that programme means that not only can you not find anybody, but you're so desperately unattractive that nobody's interested. And then they said, of course, she's on a roll at the moment. I'm like, of course, she's on a roll. Look at the size of her. What else could she do? And uh, they were sort of saying, oh, because they might want her for I'm a celebrity again. You think, well, she spends most of it. They say she's a bit of a role model. I thought, for whom? For whom is she a role model? All she does is cry. She's a, she's a complete disaster for a 36-year-old woman. It's a bit sad that in four years' time she's going to be 40, which means she's more than halfway through her life. There's no chance she's going to live to sort of 80, is there really? I wouldn't have thought so. But they sort of go, and loads of people are interested in putting on their shows. Every show I've ever seen her on, she knows nothing. I mean, she really doesn't know anything, to the point of, you know, three-year-olds know more than she does. Steve Allen on LBC. A friend of mine says, because uh, he went to see the uh, new Andrew Garfield movie, which I think has got Hugh Bonneville in, and so I've got Hugh Bonneville in today... Uh, and then I've got Andrew Garfield in next week. He says, think of the most moving film you've ever seen. Oh, what's the most... Oh, now you've asked. What would be the most moving film I've ever seen? I liked Steel Magnolias. Actually, I'd, I'd cry at anything. <laughs> seriously. I've only got to watch Nick Knowles in DIY SOS and I'm off. I'm seriously... I'm the worst. It's called Breathe, the, the film, incidentally. But he says, think of the most moving film you've ever seen and times it by ten, maybe even a hundred... Oh, God, I'm not sure I could cope with that. They've sent me a, a link to uh, to a bit of it, so I shall watch that. I, I, I do like a weepy movie. I'm, I'm quite good at weepy movies, because I, I fall into the trap. I weep. It's as simple as that. We went to see Steel Magnolias, and I went to uh, a royal premiere of it, and we were sitting in the front row, and we had an orchestra playing... Uh, playing the music throughout it. It was a live orchestra to the film. Princess Diana was there, Daryl Hannah, all, all the cast of the film. And, uh, and that one, and, the, and there's the sad bit in it, as you know, if you've seen it, if you've not seen it, get the film out. It's years old now. And, um, and she dies, which we're not expecting. She's a diabetic. She goes into a coma and she dies and all the rest of it. And it's, well, honestly, I couldn't hold myself back. I just, you have to sort of sit there thinking, it's awful. Mind you, I cried at Billy Elliot. You know, there was something about Billy Elliot. You just, this... 
this power. I can watch 42nd Street and I can well up at the sheer enthusiasm of the... I didn't cry at Titanic, no, but I cried at E.T. We sat in a cinema in Kingston. <laughs> it was about four of us. And the, the, the projectionist was particularly vicious. And at the end of the film, when E.T. goes away, oh, oh, go, stay, go, stay, oh, go, please, for God's sake, and, and take Harry with you. Anyway, so they sort of gets in and the thing takes off. And then the last shot is of Elliot with the tears rolling down his face. And I'm just, I'm done in. And so there's grown men in the audience watching E.T. sobbing their hearts out. And then what does he do at the end of the film? Bangs the lights up. So everybody has to go, <coughs> cough, 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 you know, sort of cover their eyes up. No, I, I, I do cry everything. Uh, to apparently, breathe isn't a weepy, says this this friend of mine. It requires a flood warning. Oh, no. <laughs> Actually, i tell you the film I didn't cry at. What's the one, is it um, with Bette Midler in? What was that film? Was it Beaches? Beaches was supposed to be... Oh, I never cried at that one at all. I think it was a woman dying, wasn't it? But, uh, oh, I'm not sure about this. But I'm going to be talking to Hugh Bonneville today about that. He's coming in. For a, for a pre-recording, which I'm looking forward to. But if, it, if it's that weepy, I'm not sure. The trouble is you can't give things away on films. It's like author. I have a lovely author coming in today who's coming, which is Bernard Cornwell, and he's got this super book out. Away from his usual things. I don't want to... And I, you can't really tell people about it because it spoils the book. It's like telling people about a film. Every time I've had film actors in, and I get quite a lot of film actors in and, and stage actors, and if it's a stage production and it's been done before, like... Uh, Christian Slater, well, then I can talk about what it is. But we don't, I don't talk about the end of it. But uh, today, with Hugh Bonneville, I can't talk about too much because it would ruin it for people. And I don't want to do that. Same with authors. You know, so tell me about your book, which is one of my worst quotes. I've never, ever asked anybody that at all. But, uh, you know, oh, tell me, you know, so anyway. And um, and so I, I have to be very careful and skirt around it. But if it's that weepy, I'm, I am, I'm weepy boy, I'm afraid. I do, uh, I do cry a lot. I'm 56, says Nigel, and even though I've seen it 20 times, at least I still blub every time at the end of The King and I. And as for long-lost families, I am pathetic. I, I used to cry at the, uh, at the Scylla Black reunions at the end of Surprise, Surprise. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, Gladiator, says Paul, gets me every single time. I couldn't wait for him to die. I was so happy when he died. I was, I was standing up cheering. Woo, woo, woo. All this kind of stuff. No, I didn't do it for me. Green Mile, very popular film, says Tina. Yes, that is. That's, that's quite a bit. Not a real weepy. Not a real weepy. A Time to Kill with Samuel L. Jackson and Sandra Bullock, says Ben. Did bring a tear to my eye for the first time ever. Good God, did you never cry at E.T.? E.T. was the saddest ever. Did you never cry at The Sound of Music or Mary Poppins? When Mary Poppins went away and they're going... But you, you just forget all about us, Mary Poppins. And I thought, of course she does. She's got a wire attached to her back. They're going to fly her over the studio. She's going. She's leaving you, you miserable little pair of so-and-sos. And she did. And I remember thinking, that was so sad. But the opening to the film, I loved Mary sitting on a cloud and that lovely panorama of London, that fantastic panorama of London, which is, you know, when you hear Big Bed. It's going to strike again, isn't it, on August the something. Somebody was saying, I can't remember what it was, actually, now. I remember reading it somewhere, and they said, "Oh, it's going to strike and do this." It's all been a bit of a bit of a mess, really. Remembrance Sunday. It might be. Oh, right. Well, the time might be wrong. Oh, lord, that could be awful, couldn't it? Not very good at all. Steve Allen on LBC. I'm glad many of you like the the films that we talk about on the program because that's uh, that's that's good actually. Uh, consider yourself filmed in Bath. Apparently, Carol Reed, the director, three weeks. 
to shoot that one song, says Chris. That was Consider Yourself at Home, Consider Yourself, one of the family. But the, the finished rap is brilliant. You see, films like that, I just, you know, you just want to jump into it. You know in Mary Poppins, where they jump into a chalk picture? And that's why I've always said, you know, Christmas is, is a time for kids, because they've got that blank imagination. Adults, we've got so many things going on in our minds, you know. Can we afford this? Can we afford to do that? Oh, God, I forgot to buy a present for so-and-so. Have I done this? Am I do- Oh, God, petrol. I've got to put petrol in. Have I remembered to... Do- You've got to remember so many things. At the moment, I've got to sort out stuff for the accountant. It's giving me stress like there's no tomorrow. All I've got to do is just find, it's about 24, 40 items. It's, I'm, seriously, it's making me go mad because I keep putting it off. And I've got to do it. I want to do it by the end of this week. And today is going to be the good day to do it. So I'm going to get back and I'm going to spread it all out on the floor and find all, because I'm just hopeless. I cannot do organisation. I cannot do that at all. I'm just, I'm just, I, if, if, if ever I sort of uh, got an awful lot of money, I'd be employing a PA Somebody who would say, I'll do all of that. I'll deal with all of that. Go, oh, brilliant. OK, who am I sending Christmas cards to? OK, how much are we putting inside there? Did you ever see the film Scrooged? He decides every Christmas. He's a big, he's a big TV executive. And he goes, OK, so-and-so, so-and-so, towels. It's your brother. Ugh. Towels. Uh, so-and-so, so-and-so, VCR. And he decides on what he's giving to me. It's, it's oh, chocolate. Champagne. Do you buy a bottle for the boss? I mean, in theory, it's like putting an apple on teacher's desk. You have to... Some some people do it, some people don't do it. But then, you, oh, producer said, no. You see, I, th- I thought sort of yes. I, th- I thought yes, because let's face it, somebody somewhere is going, shall we give him another contract? And somebody else is going, let's leave it till the last minute, worry him a bit. You know, they do things like this. It's just to keep me on edge. Small wonder I'm on medication and tablets. And you, and, and you sort of think, that's actually quite interesting, isn't it? It's like, I'll tell you the latest thing that people do in offices. They leave their jacket over a chair. And so when you come in, you go, oh, are they here? And somebody goes, oh, I don't know. You go, oh, my God, they might be. They might be here. It's always a worry, isn't it? Those are all the highlights I've got time for this morning. Don't forget, I'm back live from five o'clock tomorrow morning and we'll be with you for the 4am spike all next week too. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.